This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put, oh, he's going hard. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football Emergency Edition. We we sirens everywhere. I don't know uh, some type of thing going on here to justify that it's a quote unquote emergency. Uh, yeah, Tech Tech doesn't have a new coach. <laughs> doesn't have a coach anymore. Uh, Mike Craven, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I was moving yesterday. Yeah. And started my phone started going off. It's like every people know I'm moving. Why why is everybody messing with me? And uh, yeah. Yeah, new uh, new regime coming through Texas yep. Tech in this offseason. Yep, uh, Matt Wells fired after three years, or not even, uh, I guess, I'm trying to think, is it three or four? I'm trying, uh, three. Three. Three seasons. Three and a half, two and a half, I guess, probably closer to. So, fired after a loss to Kansas State, uh, probably the last straw, 25-24 this past weekend for him. Um, we'll get into what went wrong, why he was hired, why now? And then obviously we'll get into some candidates, some names that have been obviously uh, swirling around recently. He goes 13 and 17 as tech head coach, 7 and 16 in the Big 12. Basically never never gets to bowl eligibility. Looked like this was possibly going to be the year. And tech said no thanks. <laughs> tech did not even let him finish. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was just average. Right. You know, we we watched them beat Houston. You know, they came back in week one and had that that really good game against the Cougars, who are now, you know, six and one and look like a pretty good team. So early in the year, it looked like, okay, maybe this is a different Texas Tech team. They got a lot of transfers in there. They got a lot of super seniors. Maybe it'll be a, a tougher, more physical team. Uh, year three kind of tends to be that show me year where you're like, okay, these are a lot of your guys in there. Let's see, let's see what you got. And when they started playing opponents that were peers, mm -hmm. when they when they got into conference play, they looked like the same old Texas Tech, and that's the problem. To me, it's it's not the overall record. I mean, I, I know that's not that's not great either. But you look at, I mean, they're two and three in the Big Twelve right now, um, and they've just been bad. Seven and sixteen in, in the Big Twelve in his tenure, just not very good against the teams that they're supposed to beat, and when you're at home against Kansas State and you have a fourteen nothing lead four minutes into a football game you have to win you have to win that football game and he he didn't and uh i i think it was the right time to make the move yeah and so let's let's get into a little bit to what you know what went wrong overall right so he comes in after Cl cliff kingsbury comes in from utah state a, a successful tenure you know a lot of people can look at his record and say oh it's only 44 and 34 at utah state but that job was not left in a good spot and so he won he won early and then it kind of cratered in the middle and then he he got it back righted and I think he went 10 and 2 in his last year. He is a clearly a builder type of coach, somebody who you need to give an investment amount of time to or a, a certain amount of time to. And that's what I think that's what Kirby Hoka saw, right? He's like let's get somebody who builds, let's get somebody who's not necessarily quote unquote Texas Tech and have something different in there. 
let's build something more sustainable. Let's build something long-term. That's not just a flash in the pan. Let's get away from the air raid history, things like that. And you cut in the beginning, you saw like the little wrinkles, right? Of what he wanted to do. You saw recruits, different recruits, right? Todd, we mentioned Taj Brooks before. We've mentioned receivers like Loic Fungi, big receivers, like guys that don't usually go to tech. We've mentioned quarterbacks with big arms. Quarterbacks with big arms don't go to tech. It was always the ones that can kind of spray it around the field. And so you get guys like uh, Henry Columbian. Uh, Bowman, I know, was a was a tech guy. was a uh, Kingsbury guy, but he kept Alan Bowman a little bit there. It kind of showed some things with him. Tyler Shutt comes in. Okay, big arm. Here we go. It's a different type of guy. Um, and But the problem, I think, was you mentioned it. What was his marquee win? I think it might have been Houston, right? Yeah. I think they beat Oklahoma State his first year. Cool. Other than that, you're looking at 2019, West Virginia, 2020, West Virginia, bad Baylor in Naranda's first year, and Kansas. Yeah, his uh, his, the only two wins in the Big 12, he only has two wins in the Big 12 over teams that ended with a winning record. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, he you take away the Kansases, mm-hmm. right, and, and they just haven't beat the teams that they need to beat. You know, nobody's asking Texas Tech to be Oklahoma right. or, or Texas. You know, every couple of years you'd like to pull an upset and, and contend at that level. But you can't be losing to the Kansas States and the West Virginias yes. and, you know, even the TCUs. And, and that's just – he just could not figure out a way to be competitive with those teams. And I think the other thing was – he got some, he won some, he had some recruiting wins, but it wasn't to the level that you would hope for when you're investing in a building coach, yeah. right? I believe they're second to last in the Big 12 right now in 247's 2022 rankings. Um, and if you're if you're a guy who's who's there for the long term, you should be punching your, I won't say you're at the top, right? Oklahoma, Texas, those teams will be at the top, but you should be around fifth, I'd say, firmly. I think if you go back and you look at those Utah State teams, a lot of that was transfer heavy. Sure. You know, sure. a lot like, you know, the Kansas State model we're all kind of used to in Big 12 country. I don't think that he felt he could compete in recruiting circles mm-hmm. in DFW, especially in Houston with how far away it is. Lubbock's just in an interesting spot. Yeah. And West Texas doesn't, you know, produce the you know, high quantities of talent anymore. And so I, I think he thought, look, this roster I inherited is not for me. Yeah. These aren't the kind of guys I can win with. This isn't the type of football I want to play. And he's hit the transfer market harder and harder. And then that becomes something you have to do because in this state, if you don't recruit high school kids on a yearly basis, those coaches kind of put you off to the side. Mm -hmm. And once you build a reputation as somebody who's going to just go after transfers and and fill it that way, uh, that reputation stays with you. And I think it has with him to where it's been harder to get back into the high school ranks once he kind of got his roster settled. It's been harder to kind of get back into that after he's already you know, hit the transfer market so hard. Yeah. And I think that what was weird from the start was he was kind of seen as an underwhelming hire, right? It was the the Utah State head coach wasn't exactly, you know, Utah State wasn't exactly the darling G5, right? They were pretty solid and they had one uh, one last, one year of double, uh, double digit wins after a couple of years of, of kind of sinking back into reaching bowl eligibility about three and nine one year. And, I don't think he ever really 
earned real backing from a lot of people. I think that, and this is just me speculating because it seemed like every week there were fans on Twitter, what's going on? What's this team look like? What's kind of happening here? And you could even look to, and we'll get to we'll get to candidates in a, in a bit in a minute. But like last year, when he wasn't fired, there was a name propping up from boosters, right? There was a name circulating, Art Riles, that was coming. He wasn't fired yet, <laughs> and there were na- his name was already being uh, somebody else's name was already being linked with the job. I don't think there there was a. I think there was a contingent of boosters that never wanted him to be the coach, and I think that he never firmly. I mean, the three losses this year, Texas, TCU. And, you know, Kansas State, obviously, but Texas TCU in particular. They had Baylor at the end of the year. You lose those three games, and you lose them potentially all three in embarrassing fashion, right? You get blasted by Texas. You get blasted by TCU. You probably get blasted by Baylor at the last game of the year. Those are your three peers in that conference, right? Texas, obviously, is a different level. But TCU and Baylor especially are your two peers. That's the Those are the schools that you should be aspiring to be competitive with. And if you're getting lapped by Baylor, who just made their second head coaching hire in four years or whatever with Aranda, and they're already lapping you on that one, like you don't, you're not going to earn many friends. And it's all, it was already a, a pretty rocky relationship, I feel, when his name was hired in the first place. Well, when you bring in a, a reputation, when you're supposed to be the hard nosed, tough, physical football coach who's going to instill that culture and, and kind of change what's happening. Mm-hmm. At Texas Tech, we're not going to be the flashy score sixty points and then give up fifty four and hope we outscore. We're going to be a, a good, solid football team. But then you look at it and you're not. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're just you're you're not delivering on what is promised. And so, if you're an unaspiring hire, if you're an outsider who doesn't have a lot of ties within the Texas high school football community and Lubbock in general. And you're not playing a brand of football that is either exciting or good, right? right? Like at least when they were losing with Cliff and back in Mike Leach eras and stuff like that, it was still fun to watch. You know, they were going to just get out gunned, you know, towards the end or, or whatever like that. It was still entertaining football. This is a bad average football. And right. so when you don't have many friends inside the building and you're not, playing anything that's inspiring to the fans or people to want to come to watch, you know, you, they, they, that, that game started at 11 and, you know, they, they always bring in the wide shot, you know, down in the field or whatever. It was 50% full, yeah. you know, nobody's there. Right. And so and when you're, you're five and, and you're five and two, yeah, you know, like you're five and two, it's Lubbock, it's 11, it's nice weather yeah. and nobody's there. Mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, next to the big 12 record, I think it's the, apathy by the fan base and the alumni that really you know kind of ended his his reign Mm -hmm. and i know i I just realized when i mentioned big armed quarterback at tech i forgot about of course pat mahomes but he was more of the exception to what the tech quarterback had been yeah he's a he's a freak of man he doesn't count right exactly everybody Uh, thought he just got there because people thought he was going to play baseball right exactly so uh, typically what i'm thinking of are the mike leach quarterbacks more or less the the air raid guys who don't have those uh deep shots and and big arms so but anyway um i do want to get into a little bit of the a little bit of the timing because it might have looked weird right five and three we kind of all assumed that if he makes a bowl he just needs to make a bowl right this year so they go into uh, the kansas state game five and two this is probably their last i want to say winnable obviously anything can happen but you know the last game they're favored in right they get of course those two losses are bad losses to tech and tcu 
And I want to say, if they win, I feel like if they win this game, he's there for the year at least. Because they win this game and then they go 0-3, right? Against Iowa State, Oklahoma, or sorry, 0-4. Against Oklahoma, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Baylor. Still 6-6. Still go to a bowl. Those are the games that you quote-unquote probably should have lost anyway. And I think they probably let him go at the end of the year, right? I think it's more of a mutual parting of the ways. But what this does, I think the timing of this is interesting because not only do they collapse against Kansas State, they didn't want, I don't think they wanted to let him have a get-out-of-jail-free upset win. They didn't want him to save his own job. Exactly. They, If you lose to Kansas State but beat Oklahoma next week, you can't fire him after that. Nope. And then if you if you upset Iowa State, Oklahoma State, or Baylor, you can't beat him up for that. You can't fire him up for that. And so yeah, no, that's a hundred percent right. They didn't want him to give him a, to give himself a lifeline. Yeah, because what if, what if they go seven and five? Yeah. Right. Iowa State's not looking like Iowa State all the time, right? What if they they beat Iowa State and they pull an upset from one of those other three games or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, then yeah, how do you fire him? Right. You know, you can't. He's getting progressively better. They, you know, like you know, they're they're getting. They beat some Big Twelve conference teams in, in that scenario that are that are good. That would match how how many good Big Twelve wins he had previously. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it makes it really hard to fire him. Yep. Now you get to be on the front foot of the coaching search. You're kind of the first big dog out there looking for a coach. You yep. can kind of plant that flag out there like hey we need a guy let the speculation come and you can watch the rest of the football season with a obvious and well known like a public eye towards the candidates Uh, but yeah i mean i think a hundred percent you're correct the reason he was fired on monday was so that he didn't save his job they were ready to hire a new football coach going into 2022 and worst case for them would have been a six and six, seven and five record where they would have had to answer more questions about doing this then than they will do it now. Because a one point loss to Kansas State mm-hmm. and you got a loss to TCU and a loss to Texas on the record, nobody's going to ask you why. Right, right, yep. <laughs> and so this was the time to do it, even if it's unfortunate uh, timing wise for everybody involved. Because, you, you, you know, it, it puts, it does put a lot of talking points on players and assistant coaches that aren't really deserved. And sure. so, like, midseason coaching. Uh, firings can get a little ugly and messy for everybody, mm-hmm. but I think for Texas Tech, it was the right move in the right time. Yep. All right, let's get into some candidates now. Um, there's obvious. There are two obvious candidates that have been thrown around, and basically the minute his card didn't work in the building, <laughs> these two names got thrown out. Uh, obviously, that's SMU head coach Sonny Dykes and UTSA head coach Jeff Trailer. So let's kind of go through those two and then we'll talk about some other options because it doesn't college football doesn't always work that way to where the obvious thing happens. Sonny Dykes is the obvious one a for me because obviously this Dykes name is legendary in Texas. He's an alum. He grew up there. He, it's like, it'd be the prodigal son coming home. If they want somebody who understands the program, they want somebody who wants to bring the, the, the red Raider feeling back to Lubbock. Right. Cause it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a tough place to play right now. And it was always a tough place to play. And I feel like Matt Wells didn't really untap into what that kind of like pageantry was. Of course, somebody like Sonny Dykes would absolutely do that. He'd obviously bring a fun offense. I think he'd bring, uh, I think he'd know how to get recruiting there going, right? It's a hard place to recruit to. Can't argue with that. He wouldn't have the same success 
as a, as a TCU or an easy or an SMU or um, an easy time like he does at SMU when you're in just, just a hotbed like DFW. But again, there is there is something to be said about the sympathy there that he has for that program. Jeff Trailer, obvious Texas ties. UTSA is the hottest program in the st- in the country right now, arguably. And I think for him, and we can talk about this in a little bit, you don't get this opportunity to go P5 very often. And so, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on those two names? And, yeah, just first, first we'll start with that. What are your thoughts on those, on those two names so far? Yeah, I think in an ideal world, if we're playing a video game, right, mm-hmm. and everything just gets simulated and, and we don't take human behavior into account, I think Sonny Dykes is the obvious choice. I mean, I was born in 1985. Mm-hmm. Spike took over in 1986. So, like, for my growing up, like, the Dykes name is Texas Tech. Like, when I think of Texas Tech, right. I think of Spike Dykes. I mean, Mike Leach left his imprint there, and I think for a lot of people now, Mike Leach may be that guy. But, yeah, like you said, he's an alum. He went to Lubbock Coronado High School. You know, he's from there. He gets the drill. Um, I think the tough part is the recruiting landscape. I, I would argue that the American and the Big 12 aren't all that different after Texas and Oklahoma leave. Mm. You know, I, I don't know what the national perceptions of those things are. Is going undefeated or ten, winning 10 wins, winning 10 games every single year in the American with Dallas talent all around you a better job than fighting for eight or nine wins in Lubbock and having to recruit across all the you know, state and figuring out how that works and stuff like that. I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I think that's why Jeff Trailer's name is put out there so much. I, I think people believe that SMU can find the money and with the resources and the recruiting and the ability to win conference championships that, SMU is the better job, or at sure. least the more ready, winnable job right now. Mm-hmm. That's not true at UTSA, and I'm I'm Mister UTSA, right? right? Like I, like, but that's not true. We're talking about, you know, a three times pay raise. Yeah. You know, like with bonuses, Jeff Trailer's making a, a million and a half. You know, Matt Wells was making three point one, right. and that and that price is going to go up. Right. You know, the next you know the next coach at uh, Texas Tech is probably going to make three and a half million dollars yeah. a year, and so it's a different level. And we've seen it at North Texas. Seth mm-hmm. Luttrell's star was on the rise, and he stayed to kind of see if what would come next. And and now his stock isn't as high, right? His name a couple of years ago, his name would be. Included amongst what we're talking about right now. And nobody's mentioned him once. And so um, I do think there's a strike while the iron is hot situation for trailer is tech as big as he can get this off season. Mm. And if it is, then I think it's, he, he's a real player for that job and Tech's a real player to reach out for him. But call number one, ha- you have to make Sonny Dykes tell you no. Yes. You, just, you just have to tell, you have to make him tell you no. 100%. Even if he's not your number one guy. I think you have to do him that respect. Who could be? But say no, I agree. He should be the number one guy. Right. But even if they want trailer first, I think you have to call Sonny Dykes, right? You yeah. Have to give him that, you have to give him that respect, right? right. You have to give him that courtesy. Um, I will say this for in terms of pro being a, a pro tech, when it comes to Sonny Dykes, is does SMU getting left out of that Big Twelve conversation matter? You know, is does he see this as like, man, is this team going to get back to where we were under Shane? You know, those couple of years, the, those years where you were like maybe one win out of the uh, where you're talking about like playoff, you know, maybe even 
is getting left out of that dance. I don't want to say soured him on the job. That's the wrong word, but definitely have him look at the ceiling of that job, right? Maybe because now tech is a not a big fish in a small pond, but they're a medium-sized fish in a medium-sized pond. And they were they were firm in the current Big Twelve. They're firmly not one or two, right? They are never will be Oklahoma, Texas, on their good days, and then they're fighting for third to sixth, right? In the new Big Twelve, there's not. I mean, right now probably Baylor number one, right? There's not a num- there's not a firm number one in that new Big 12. Is that something that matters to him, to Sonny Dykes? You mentioned the Big 12 AAC, AAC probably not, you know, it, is being the top team in the AAC more appealing than fighting for the top in, in the Big 12? Maybe, I don't know. But I think that is something that could sway him. Because if the playoffs do get expanded eventually, your conference affiliation matters less if you're not True. if you're not SEC or Big Ten. True. Obviously, think, those those carry weight. Off from that, though, right now, I, I believe you're right. I believe you're right, and I, I think for Sonny Dykes, the question would be, you know, which one has the higher ceiling? We're watching Cincinnati mm-hmm. kind of get you know break that ceiling and kind of get into those top fives now with Cincinnati, BYU, Houston, you know, Memphis, like w- with them no longer in the conference. Mm-hmm. Maybe the American takes a bigger step back and it's not looked at sure. as on par with that. But yeah, I mean, I think that's probably a, a question of perception. Is it easier to kind of to get into that top echelon of conversation at SMU or is it easier at Texas Tech? I think that's a fascinating conversation that probably doesn't have a truly correct answer yeah and with jeff trailer you mentioned it right seth latrell would be at this conversation and you do have to strike while the iron is hot because i think with with utsa and again he's doing a great job with recruiting but this is a pretty experienced team right is the team going to be better next year this is this is mostly a frank wilson football team and so like the thing is once this starts to turn over to a jeff trailer team there's going to be a dip right next year they're gonna they're not going to probably be in this double digit win a region they're probably gonna be good, but you know, ten win Jeff Trailer is sexier than seven win Jeff Trailer, right? Like, so if there's a job that opens, and obviously I think he'll still be a good coach, and there's still there if there's if there's a job opening next year, if they have a logical thinking AD, there's so he should be a candidate. But he's harder to sell at that point, right? Than he is like this guy who's gonna be on ESPN two in a week or at this weekend um, coaching a ranked UTSA team. So there is definitely, and Mark Hudspeth's another guy from Louisiana who had, who was, you know, somebody who was shining and then he, uh, some type of, I think some uh, academic scandal broke out in Louisiana. So his stock just tanked. And so it's like, again, these G5 opportunities to go up a level don't come every, every year. And you look at the landscape a little bit, where's the next opening really looking? Right, it's it's in TC, if, if it's TCU, it's kind of in the hands of the guy sitting there. I don't think it's in the hands of anybody pushing him out. Um, Baylor still looks set. Texas is set. A and M is set. You know, like there's no for sure next step that you could really bet on for the future. And this is assuming, right? We're assuming that Jeff Taylor wants to stay in Texas because he's a Texas guy, homegrown. I think that is the case. Maybe a fringe a Louisiana job, maybe, but that's probably it. He's not going to USC or something. Um, so I don't know, is, is is there, that's another thing when you have to look on what, how Jeff trailer kind of looks at the, and he's logical and, and, and kind of like has that line of thinking, right? He's not somebody that's like, 
I'm going to wait for Texas, right? right. He's not right. that right. kind of guy. Right. I mean, he was he was he was a week from being the Lamar head coach before UTSA called. Yep. So, and you know, to UTSA fans listening out there, you know, welcome Welcome to big boy college football. This is what happens, this is exactly right? Like this happens. is, and this is where you want to be. Yes. Like you need buyout money to then pay for your next coaching staff and then pay for your next coaching staff. Like in, and you get that in, upgrade and then you, you get those facility upgrades. You want to be where Houston was. Yes. You know, decade. You know, Bryles comes out of there. Sumlin comes out of there. Herman comes out of there. Like that's that paid for everything. They hadn't come out of pocket for coaches in a long time. Like other schools are paying for all that kind of stuff. That's money you can pour back into the program. And so this is just part of it, you know, like this is just this is just where it, where it will be. And maybe Jeff Trailer does turn down this job, mm-hmm. but there's only five or six power five jobs in this entire state. Sure. And Jimbo Fisher's not going anywhere. Sarkeesian was just hired. Like you said, Gary Patterson's kind of at TCU for as long as he, he wants to be. Tech is open. That's yeah. a that's an open job. Yep. And so unless you're waiting for. You know Dana Holgerson at Houston, or maybe Aranda to take a different job from Baylor or whatever. This is one of those kind of jobs you can go and take, and so his name being floated out there should be looked at as a compliment mm-hmm. to what he's done at UTSA and where UTSA is as a football team. Yeah, I think looking at the other G5s that you know you mentioned, look at the best G5s in the past two decades, right? Arkansas State. I'm looking at when they were when they had Hugh Freeze, Gus Malzahn, Brian Harson, Blake Anderson, Butch Jones. Right. Yep. You, you just keep. You have to keep nailing it because they're going to leave, and you just have to set yourself up to be in a good position. Boise State, Chris Peterson, Brian Harson, Andy Avalos. Right. You just have to keep that trend going. That's just how it is, and it's not a bad thing. It's just the way it is. Yep. So, uh, let's move on to some other candidates. That well, first let's let's shoot down. <laughs> One candidate real quick. Pete Thamel tweeted out yesterday that, no, our Bryles is likely to not be a candidate. If Kirby Hocutt, he already, but let me, let me put it this way. That name already dropped, I think, in 2019 or 2018 when Wells was hired as like a obvious time bomb. I think Kirby Hocutt very slyly threw that name out there to be like, uh, he went to the boosters and was like, yeah, I'll look at him. And then, like, yeah. threw the name publicly. Nah. It, the nuke set off, and he was like, look, can't do that. I think Kirby Hill could still think in that same way. <laughs> he has to be. Has to be. He has to be. The The amount of bad pre- – and, I, you know, some people say, like, all press is good press and all that kind of stuff. I don't think that's true at Texas Tech, right? Like, that would become a circus. Yes. And there's no need to make this a circus, right? You can hire a guy and go compete for a winnable Big 12. Yes. Or you can have all of the conversations for the next couple of years just be about your head coach and yes. the decisions that you've made. Why do that? And if you're a player, why sign up for any of that kind of right. stuff? If you're a mom, why sign up for any of that kind of stuff? And so, yeah, I I, I would be shocked if, if that becomes any type of realistic option for, so I, for Texas Tech. So obviously I think that also rules out Kendall Bryles because his name will come up too. I think that will rule him out. The name that I do not think will be ruled out is Ole Miss offensive coordinator Jeff Levy. He is a branch off that tree. I think he's actually our brow's son-in-law. I think there's actually like some familial relation there. But Ole Miss is one of the most exciting offenses right now. If he wants to please those boosters and say, look, we'll get a guy who's like that offensively, I can and, and if maybe he thinks I can navigate the press right. around Jeff Levy as opposed to actually just hiring from the Bryles tree. Um, I could see that. I don't think that's the move because I think he needs more of a big win hire. 
And so I think selling them on Jeff Lebby, selling uh, fans on Jeff Lebby is a harder sell than just getting like Graham Harrell or something. Unless it's like partnered with bringing the Bryles in there, right? right like right, yeah. Kendall's going to come in and be an OC. Right. Art's going to be behind the scenes. Analyst it's kind of like an analyst or an overseer, well, that's, you know? I mean, that's, so that's and, the, that's the thing when you hire, that's, that's the, when you hire Kendall Bryles, you just assume right. is that that's, Obviously, Kendall Bros was was on staff with him, but that's the biggest fear when his name comes up is because you know his dad's going to be in the run the program, and you got to yeah. deal with that. And so, when Jeff Levy, if you hire Jeff Levy, yeah, probably. And I will say this: having the alumni on board makes that easier, mm-hmm. right? It's like when Texas was trying to hire Urban Meyer, mm-hmm. like that looks yes. like a firestorm, and right. it's like, why would you do that? Right. But if the guy signing the checks have your back, you know. Roger Goodell does this every year, right? Where sure. he just takes every hatchet that could possibly be thrown at the NFL because he knows the 32 guys writing all the checks have his back if he does that. Mm-hmm. And so I do think uh, the fact that the big money uh, alumni boosters are fine with the Bryles thing and probably want the Bryles mm-hmm. higher, if he does go down one of those roads, maybe not even Art, but at Kindle sure. or Levy, then it becomes a little bit easier to deal with the pushback because the important people are okay with it. Right put your head down and just kind of, you know, you have the back end, right. we have your back, we're not going to, yeah. Go 10 and 2, exactly. and nobody will be talking about it a year from now. Unfortunately, you're probably right on that. Um, so let's mention, let's talk about some other fringe candidates. You know, I, I mentioned Graham Harrell. Um, here's an interesting one. If they, if Tech wins two of these games, two of these next four, does Sonny Cumbie get a look? I that's because I know I know he's not the interim head coach, but like he's the OC and they'll be winning with that offense. Probably. Yeah, no, he is the interim is head coach. Co- yeah, he, he's okay. he's he's sure he was the he's interim, interim head coach. Okay. I, I think if Dykes turns you down, if Trailer turns you down, mm-hmm. you have a viable candidate inside of that building who yeah. knows Texas Tech football, who knows the grind in Lubbock, who knows the recruiting scene in Dallas DFW area, who runs an offense. Uh, that kind of harkens back to the days uh, of scoring a lot of points. If you kind of, I do think he's been kind of saddled in, sure. you know, under Wells. I, I don't think it's exactly how he'd like to run offense if given full reign. So, which is weird because like he hasn't. I mean, he was saddled in with Gary Patterson too. So right. Like, we don't he's really had know. two really controlling <laughs> conservative coaches. Right. We don't know what a Kendall uh, 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 Sunny Cumbie offense looks like. I think it looks more like a Cliff Kingsbury type offense, a Graham Harrell type offense, a Mike Leach type offense. I. I I think that's more of who he is if allowed to do what he wants to do. Cause you talk to like TCU fans and it's like, Oh, you know, he made us not run the ball, you know? Like, <laughs> right, and it's right, like, right. I do think he has a tendency to kind of just like, well, let's throw it 80 yeah. times if we, if we can. Um, and I, and I think, I think at Texas tech, you have to run that type of offense. Sure. And, and here's why those spare players are more available around the state. Mm-hmm. There aren't as many just find in the find a gym of a left tackle that's going to maul people. Right. Those don't exist. A running back who can carry it thirty times a game. Those don't exist. They're already so, getting recruited by Texas and Alabama. Texas and get an offensive line. Right. It took how many years to get right. Bijan Robinson after right. Jamal Charles? So I'm so I'm not saying you have to run a gimmick offense. I'm I'm saying you got to run a a Texas a state of Texas offense, mm-hmm. and we are a seven on seven state. Yeah. We go to high school games, even at like the 3A level now, they last five and a half hours because there's 90 passes being thrown. (laughs) And so 
you have to recruit that. There are wide receivers everywhere in the state. There are quarterbacks everywhere in the state. Go after those guys and have an offense that allows you to go after those guys. I think that's one of Matt Wells' biggest problems at Tech was he was going after guys that we simply do not create in enough numbers for them not to be already picked up by Texas, already picked up by SMU, already picked up by TCU, already picked, you know, like sure. they're already committed other places. And so go back to an offense that allows you to find the Graham Harrells mm -hmm. of the world who can break records uh, with the appropriate offense and Michael Crabtrees, those kind of guys that those weren't five star, four star guys, but they sure. won a lot of freaking football games because there's a lot of those dudes everywhere in the state. Yeah, I think so. I think that's right. That's why I think that naturally the names that are coming up are the Heralds, the Cumbies, things like that, because people see the writing on the wall, right? They know Kirby Hoka needs a win. They, yeah. He needs, you go from Cliff Kingsbury to Matt Wells, and so you can't really dictate where his next line of thinking is going to be. Theoretically, you would say, well, you kind of at least were fun under Cliff, so you might as right. well kind of lean back to that right. one. So It's like dating. You know, I like this analogy. Talk about it. Yeah, you mentioned off airs. I believe head coaching changes and hires are a lot like the way we go about dating, men and women. When you break up with a significant other, you tend to find the next one to be to have the strengths that maybe the old one didn't. You know, like you yeah. look if the other one wasn't very prompt, you find one that is prompt. If right. the other one kind of had expensive taste, maybe you go with, with something a little bit like more normal. You know, like yeah. I think you find people who like filled the holes that the old one was lacking. Mm. And I think Cliff Kingsbury was like flashy and you knew he was like going to jump to the next job. Yes. Like you knew Cliff was using it as a springboard and Kirby was like, well, I'm going to find a guy who will be here for like 10 years. He's yeah. like a, a stern kind of old school throwback football Hands coach. Yeah. <laughs> like we're going to, we're going to recruit big guys. Our offensive line is going to be good. We're going to mash people. We're going to be a different Texas tech. And then you go, well, there were some things about my ex that I really liked. You know, she was, was pretty. She was pretty. Yeah, you know, right, and, right. and and like, yeah, she was fun. She went out with me and all this kind of stuff. Like, we weren't just at home watching Netflix every single night. I think he learned his lesson yeah. with Matt Wells, and it's going back to kind of more of a flashier offensive kind of guys for the for the reasons that we just talked about. And Lubbock's one of those places that you kind of have to you got to know it to love it. Sure, like everybody I know that ever went to Texas Tech. Yes. Like we'll sing the praise of Lubbock and they, they just love it. There's yes. there's a there's something about it out there where it's like we survived in Lubbock. We love it. You know, like 1, we, you know, and that's why I think the names always go back to guys who have Texas Tech ties. Mm -hmm. Because we all assume somebody from Houston's not moving to Lubbock. Right. But if you've experienced Lubbock out there, you have a, a piece of your heart that is endured to it. And and you those know how to get other people to go right. The only time I've ever the only times I've ever wanted to go to Lubbock is talking to another former student alumni where they're like, you got to go blank to blank to blank, yeah. do this, do yeah. that, and you're like, all right, it doesn't sound as bad yeah. as when you're talking right. about it, so right, like, yeah. right. Yeah, like, they make the dust seem good, <laughs> right. you know, like it, they give the dust a personality right. and stuff. And you're like, no, that's just dust in the air. They're like, no, but like it cakes your lungs and like. <laughs> Whenever you go anywhere else, you can walk for 13 miles because you're, you know, like it's just, and, and you know, like they, they start talking about the culinary scene in right. Lubbock. And you're like, there's no culinary scene in Lubbock, but you can't convince these people otherwise. And I, and I mean that affectionately. Yes. Like, no, if it, you've it's been a, there, it just like absorbs you. It's like the valley. Yes. 
like when you talk to people from RGV, they're like, this is the only place I'd ever want to live. And the rest of you are idiots for not wanting yeah. to be down here. And I Lubbock say, has the same are, type of thing. visited the Valley, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm moving. <laughs> right. I'm moving down right. there tomorrow. Right. Like, but you look at it, and yeah, and in theory, you're like, oh, I don't know if I like it. It seems hot. It seems whatever. Yep. Yeah, no, you go down there, boom, there you go. So, yeah, long story short, hire a tech guy. Uh, hire somebody that – it's not a tech guy. Hire somebody that knows that landscape, right? I think the idea maybe behind Wells was uh, he got people to Utah State. Can he get people to le- – not necessarily the same thing. What we're saying is this job – this isn't a bad job, right? People, There will be some people who say, you can't recruit to yeah. Lubbock. It's you not a bad job. It's not a, It is a Power 5 job. It is now a Power 5 job that stood its ground in a solid Big 12 now. It is a tricky job. It's a tricky job. Yes, that is a very good way to put it. But it's not a bad job. SMU was a tricky job. Oh, oh man. SMU was a very tricky job. SMU was a bad job yes. for a long time. 100%. Flip the switch. Yep. Boom. It takes the right guy. It takes the smart people making decisions. I think Kirby Hillcutt is a smart guy. He just needs to make this right higher and make it the right one. Because if, he, it is. because if he does, you, you can set the new tide. Yes. For Texas Tech, like this new Big Twelve, like we've talked about, isn't anchored by two kind of barons over in the corner that get to make all the decisions. Like this is a, and so that first three years in a new look Big Twelve kind of determines what we perceive Texas Tech as. If you get this right and you're at the front end of that, Texas Tech's a conference contender for yes. the foreseeable future. Yes. If they get this one wrong, and Houston. Cincinnati, BYU, Baylor, TCU kind of take over that. Now you're just a middle program in a conference that's not looked at the same as the Big Ten and SEC. So right. this is a very and very important hire for yeah. Tech. And I'm looking at the I'm looking at the landscape of the Big Twelve right now, the new Big Twelve. I mean, you have Cincinnati who might lose their head coach soon just because they're so good. Baylor who's going to keep Aranda. So you have one I'd say solidified top guy. Holgerson, we'll see what he's doing at Houston. UCF, they haven't been the UCF that we're used to. TCU is kind of on the downward trajectory. We'll see what happens with Gary. Okay, BYU might lose Kalani Sataki to another job soon. Who knows? He might stay there forever too. But you're looking at, again, you're looking at two, maybe two, maybe three teams that are, you can punch into that, you can punch into that circle. Like, oh yeah, hey, this is this is not impenetrable. We've seen Texas Tech punch into the current Big Twelve yes. circle yes, exactly. before. The so the, the Mike Legion, right? They were beating Texas, right? Yeah, you so. get back to that, yes, and you're competing for Big Twelve championships on a regular, regular basis. And if this uh, playoff expands to where you get an automatic bid for winning a conference championship, there's a, there's a theoretical way for Tech to get into college football playoffs if you get the right coach. Like that's how this landscape is going to change. Yes. And so you just you got to you got to aim big, but you have to do it right. We've talked about UTSA with this. Mm-hmm. It's not always about how much money you spend. Right. It's about doing it right. Find the right guy. You don't have to find the best guy, you got to find the right guy. Yes. And uh I think doing it this early allows them to do as much legwork as possible to figure that out. Make the right hire. And you know us here at the magazine, we want every team to make the right hire, every ah, team to make man. the smart hire, because we want to be able to go see games. We want to be yeah. able to have them play meaningful football in November, December. All 12 teams being bowl eligible be amazing. would be the ideal. Yeah. Like oh if they God. only yeah. lost to each other, right. you know, like that, <laughs> that would be the ideal. Because, you know, you got the best high school football in the state. Yeah. So, you know, there should be better college football in the state, or you know, throughout it. 100%. So, Tech – Make the right move. It is uh, it is a very pivotal t- pivotal time. It's just as easy as that. 
Yeah. Man, just make, just to make the right move. Make the right move. <laughs> just stop making the wrong move. Yeah, just do the right thing. thing. We're like Michael Jordan coaching. You know, it's like, like uh, just shoot the ball and it goes in the basket, right? You just jump and dunk on people. Like, what are you doing? It's like Shaq's commentary. Right. Dunk it, dunk right. it. Right, you just dunk the ball over 18 people. Like, what's the big deal? <laughs> anyway, we'll be, that was our emergency podcast. We'll be back for our Wednesday episode and our preview for the week. Uh, we will also do a uh, small recap of the Rice win because we did not do a recap episode, and Rice deserves their shine for the win that they got this weekend. So Wednesday's episode will begin with a five-minute discussion <laughs> of Rice's recap. Mike Craven is laughing. I'm not joking. I'm putting that down on the, on the uh, <laughs> We just lost all viewers. <laughs> <laughs> Don't care. If they made it this far, they can hear me talk Just a skip bit the about first this. five minutes and we'll be right. <laughs> Anyway, we'll talk to you guys later. <laughs>